Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. I have a very strong belief that travel really only consists of three things. It consists of challenging your preconceptions, of trying something new, and putting yourself in a position of discomfort. And I think there are a lot of people who travel thousands of miles who never experience those things. And there are other people who travel five minutes away from their home. And if you feel fundamentally uncomfortable and if you're trying something different, I think that is so much of a travel experience. I can't help myself, but I am always drawn to disruptors, people that aren't afraid to challenge the status quo. And we have one here today, our guest, Beth Santos, who is challenging some of the narrative around travel just by leading a community, by having important conversations like the one we are sharing today. And we have a ton going on in this interview segment. We talk about how her reconnecting with her family's heritage and learning Portuguese led to a life of travel, how to lead a community and create a safe space for others. We discussed the narrative around solo female travel and why she believes what you see out there is not necessarily a comprehensive look at the entire travel experience. She is also going to be giving away two free tickets to a festival they have coming up in New Orleans. You're going to want to listen and hear the details for that. So much going on in this interview. I know you're going to love it. Plus, I want to give a shout out to somebody in this community who shared what I think is maybe one of the most important reminders that we can get as individuals. So stick around for that and much more in today's show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Buckle up, strap in. Here we go. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out. Letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This, of course, is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. As you heard at the top, plenty of good stuff coming your way. And I do want to remind you to get in touch if you have not done so and you've been thinking about it, drop me a line, jason at zerototravel.com, or even better, leave me a voice message. I respond to all of those, and I have one to share with you today. 
And I want to share it before we get into the episode because I think it's something we all need to remember at some point in our lives, maybe even today for you. So give this a quick listen and I'll be back in a minute. Hi, Jason. This is Danielle. And I just wanted to first and foremost say thank you for everything that you're doing with the podcast. I started listening to you about two years ago and your podcast gave me or put me in the right mindset to give me the right attitude and the motivation to pursue my travel dreams right now in the year 2020 to doing it almost full time. And listening to this episode about being a multi-potential artist just really, really put me at ease and just made me realize that I am not alone in the world. And there's people like myself who sometimes feel like they don't know what they want to do. And knowing that we don't always necessarily have to know what we want to do is a strength and not a weakness. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you very much, Daniel, for taking the time to leave a voice message. Congrats on getting out there and traveling. And that is an important reminder for all of us. At some point, we need to hear, we are not alone. We are not alone. Whatever we may be struggling with at a certain time, whatever challenges we might face, whatever's going on in our heads, sometimes it can feel like we are the only people on planet Earth that have ever fought against these odds or felt this way about a certain thing. And whatever I'm saying here right now may resonate with you in different ways, depending on what's going on in your life. But know that you are not alone. And that is comforting. There is a lot of comfort in knowing you're not alone. So if you're feeling that way right now, maybe get around some other people that have been through the thing you're going through. And you can also just take solace in the fact that you're not alone. Just a friendly reminder from the Zero to Travel podcast. Now, one last thing before we dive into the interview. Stick around on the back end. I want to issue a challenge to you, something that might get you thinking in a different way when you are getting together with your friends the next time or maybe arranging some networking events or some business meetings or whatever the case. Maybe this is just a different way to approach it. So I'll leave you with that challenge plus a quote. I always love to leave you with a quote to send you off on your way. Now, without further ado, let's slip and slide into today's interview segment, and I will see you on the other side of the front. And where are you? I'm in Boston. Okay, yeah, Boston. That's where you grew up, right? Um, Yeah, more or less. I grew up in southern New Hampshire, not too far away. Okay. And um, yeah, so I moved back here five years ago, not ever intending to do it, but kids, kids and free babysitting from grandparents, that'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very attractive offer, the free babysitting. It sure is. Yeah. Well, I am... 
so pleased to introduce my guest today, Beth Santos, who is the founder and CEO of Wonderful, an international community and social network with the active participation of over 40,000 women and non-binary people of all ages and backgrounds. She's also the creator of WITS Travel Creator plus Brand Summit, the best awards and the first ever outdoor women's festival taking place in New Orleans in March 2022. And she might have some something for you around that today. And you can learn more over at she'swonderful.com. We'll leave those links in the show notes. Beth, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast. Oh, thanks, Jason. It's so great <laughs> to be here. So you have a four-year-old and a 10-month-old. And it's funny because I was uh, going to get advice for getting my three-year-old to bed earlier, but it sounds like you're in the same boat. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll just be trading advice back and forth because I have not figured that one out. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about Chicago Adventure Therapy which seems oh. like uh, something that you were involved with for four years. And yeah. it, it, uh, it sounds like a very interesting organization where, well, you can explain what it is. And, and I just want to hear some, a bit of your experience around that. I, first of all, I love that you just brought that up because nobody in the history of any podcast or show I've ever been on has asked about Chicago adventure therapy. So Way to go. It's actually, it's a really cool organization based out of downtown Chicago. And so I lived in Chicago for five years, got married there. And um, and while I was there, I was on the board of, of this organization. We call it CAT. And adventure therapy is actually this really cool concept that basically is about taking people who live in an urban environment and exposing them to the outdoors and the wilderness and adventure sports. And the personal development that comes out of that, the trust that is required for a lot of these sports, we're talking like, you know, kayaking, orienteering, rock climbing, you know, things that if you don't live in a kind of wild area, you know, I grew up in New Hampshire, um, you're not exposed to that on a regular basis. And so this organization ha works with high school students all around Chicago, many of whom have never left the city of Chicago, and takes them on these adventures, camping, backpacking, and even things that they can do right in the city, you know, kayaking along, um, uh, along the lake there, Lake Michigan, or, um, or, you know, going, uh, like, kind of orienteering, backpacking through the city and just kind of building some of these skills. And it's actually, um, it was really amazing while I was part of it, because it does, I think you don't realize how much of those natural skills you're missing until you do it. And you're like, wow, there's so much personal development. There's so much team development. There's so much involved that, that you don't even know that, that you don't have if you're not there. And so they worked with hundreds of, of students from all around Chicago to just give them that kind of exposure and to give them something new. Yeah. And how did you get involved? Uh, were you, were you one of the, so I was a member of the board. Um, and, I, you know, I don't even remember. So Andrea Nepper is the founder um, and executive director of CAT. She is one of the leading kayakers in the world. She goes on really? these like rapid, you know, oh, yeah. like the, the, when you see the crazy people going kayak, down waterfalls, yeah, like, that's her. She's like competing <laughs> at like the Olympic level and, um, and just had this deep, deep love, you know, first for kayaking and, and 
realized how how little other people had the ability to see that. I don't I honestly don't even remember if I met her at an event or something. But when I learned about it, I just realized, you know, again, I mentioned I grew up in New Hampshire and and in New Hampshire, the outdoors are just all around you. You can't avoid them. And then when you go into a city like Chicago, which is so, you know, for those who haven't been, Chicago sprawls so far out. I mean, it's just city upon city upon city for miles. And um, and so it is very easy to not leave the city because it does reach so broadly. Um, and and because of that, I think you, there's just a lot of things that you can miss in that natural world. There's so many other wonderful things about Chicago that I love. But then I think it also reinforces the fact that you can find these things everywhere. You don't have to go completely off the grid to have these experiences. You can find them. And so, yeah, I, I honestly don't remember where where it came from, but I was involved with them for a number of years all throughout my time uh, in Chicago and just love the work that they do. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I see a bit of a parallel with that and what you're doing now because, you know, like you just said, you don't have to travel far to have a travel experience. I'm using air quotes, right? So, I mean, if you go, you've never done orienteering before and if you're 20 miles from where you live and that 20 miles is from a city urban environment into you know, the wilderness around there, wherever, even yeah. just some force. It, yeah. I mean, it's a completely different experience and it is a yeah. travel experience. And hundred percent. that's always a gift, I think, to, to be able to have the travel experiences, but also to be able to be a part of facilitating those for somebody else, which is kind of in line with what you're doing right now, right? Completely. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you're, the point that you made is exactly where I am in terms of my own travel beliefs. I have a very strong belief that travel really only consists of three things. It consists of challenging your preconceptions, of trying something new, and putting yourself in a position of discomfort. And I think there are a lot of people who travel thousands of miles who never experience those things. And there are other people who travel five minutes away from their home. And if you feel fundamentally uncomfortable and if you're trying something different, I think that is so much of a travel experience. And and I think a lot, and I know we'll get into it, but a lot of the work I do, I know people will be like, oh, well, I'm not really a big you know, traveler. I don't have the, the money to go somewhere. I don't have the opportunity to go somewhere, or the you know, vacation time or whatever. And and I think we, I don't think we're doing ourselves a service saying that in order to be a traveler, you have to go away for, you know, weeks alone on some really adventurous vacation thousands of miles away from your home. And that's the only way that you can experience travel. I really think we're doing ourselves a disservice by not looking around what we have and seeing how we can fundamentally change some of our preconceptions right where we are. Yeah, that's a great definition. And, you know, if you don't think you can get uncomfortable five minutes from your home, walk out the door and go hitchhiking or something. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, even, you know, and and I think that's that's when you start really looking. I mean, of course, it depends on where you live and that sort of thing. But even, I mean, there's so much to explore in the natural world. And I live in Boston and we live in Eggleston Square, which is a heavily Dominican neighborhood. And I can tell you there are a lot of ways that I can go right outside 
my home and immerse myself in somebody else's culture and someone else's community. And, and I think even that, just that cross-cultural connection, you know, here in the States, we're fortunate to have so many communities, whether immigrant communities or, you know, through multi-generations past that we can really observe and learn about. And, um, and I think even that, I mean, travel through the lens of other people's stories and experiences is such an important part of all of it and absolutely can be done from home. Yes. Well, I mean, you mentioned community. Why does community matter so much to you personally? I think community is all we have. I think that's, you know, for me, our experiences are never in a vacuum. Um, I think they so heavily rely on the people that we know, the stories that we learn along the way. I think in a travel environment, that's my favorite part of travel is just seeing how somebody else lives and literally seeing what their regular life is. Like I find that learning about what somebody eats for breakfast is like one of the most interesting things for me beyond, you know. And I think in that way, I think because we have each other, I think, you know, sharing our real stories and supporting each other and lifting each other. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all each other has everything else is just in passing it's just material um and and i think especially among women i think there's sometimes a lot of pressure to compete and i really wanted to create a space where women could have the support network that they needed especially in the space of you know so many expectations about what your travel experience should be like or what you should be like or and i wanted to create an area where where we could just recognize how similar, but also how different we all are. And I think it was something that I needed. My own story um, started from when I was traveling on my own and realizing, feeling like I was kind of completely alone in a lot of ways, physically, but also like emotionally. And, um, and simultaneously realizing how many other people are going through that exact same experience and how comforting that was, but not really having a way to connect with people. Um, in that way. And that was kind of the whole foundation of what started for me of creating a space where people could be themselves and, you know, unapologetically so, but also have a support network um, to guide them along the way. So was there a specific trip that you're talking about when you, you mentioned kind of being out there traveling and being uncomfortable? Yeah. Was that, tell us about that time in your life, where you were, what you were doing. Yeah. So I was... 22. I just graduated college. I'll take you back just like a little bit. So my family's Portuguese and I studied abroad in Portugal um, in college, not knowing the language, not knowing, you know, having family there, but not being able to communicate with them. When I graduated from school, I got an art history degree. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I moved to DC and a very DC story, met a person at a picnic who was the founder of a, a nonprofit in a country called Sao Tome and Principe, which is a Portuguese speaking country off the West Coast of Africa. And he basically said, you know, I'm always looking for volunteers. I have a couple extra bedrooms. I'll give you room and board in exchange for working for my nonprofit. And I was like, that sounds pretty good. Let's do it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so at 22 years old, I moved sight unseen to a country I'd pretty much never heard of up until that point um, and ended up over the course of two years running um, a program with the nonprofit One Laptop Per Child, which does these big um, 
tech development projects in various communities around the world. And that was my, you know, I mentioned I had studied abroad before, but that was like really completely on my own travel, not having any context or program or, you know, anything that I was involved in. And I had a lot of really conflicting thoughts during that experience and a lot of really kind of deep moments of reflection. And I just realized how really two things, what it was like being a foreigner living very hyper locally. But then the second was what it was like being a woman experiencing those things and kind of realizing that women's realities overseas are very different, you know, not just different from men, but different from whatever country that we go to. There's different social norms. There's different gender expectations. And there's a lot to navigate there. And I wasn't really finding um, a resource to to kind of address some of those complex feelings I had. So I, I started writing about it and built a blog. And then that blog kind of grew into events, into community, into a membership program. And it was really just meeting this need that I had on that trip. Hmm. Hmm. And that was two years you were down there? It was two years on and off that I was there. Yeah. So I was still living in DC and going back and forth for a couple months at a time. It must've been wild kind of having the Portuguese roots and then being in Portugal and not, but not being able to communicate with the family, but you know, completely. I mean, (laughs) it was, and that was, I grew up not not caring at all about my Portuguese heritage, I'll be honest, and kind of like, this is weird, you know, like, I want white bread, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, very, like, I don't know if you saw um, my big fat Greek wedding and like her flashbacks of her as a kid, like eating moussaka, and everyone's like, what are you eating? And that was like me with my Portuguese upbringing. And, um, and then something just changed in me in college. And I was like, you know, I've never learned this language. It's my father's first language. I just really want to know kind of where I come from. And it was this amazing, like fundamentally rocking experience to go. And and I'm very fortunate because I don't think a lot of people have that experience to like literally go to the town that your family is from and people coming outside and being like, oh my gosh, you look like this man I knew 60 years ago. And I'm like, oh, that was my grandfather, you know, and just like, just these really incredible, um, but also really hard. You know, there was one time that I was with my family and they had this, they hosted this big welcome dinner for me. And like literally the whole town was there, which is like 30 people. And, um, and I remember sitting there and everyone's like laughing and talking and I'm just like sitting by myself crying because I realized like I didn't understand what they were saying. And all of this history, I was like watching it just kind of go through my fingers, right? Like I just, I realized in that moment how much I had missed. And I really, really was sad about that. And so it was a good kick in the pants because I became very fluent actually in a year. I just kind of rocked Portuguese, figured it out. By the end of the year, I spoke with no accent. I cannot speak like that anymore, but I did at one point. And, um, and it took me on this journey of the, the Lusophone or the Portuguese speaking community around the world of which there's a number of Portuguese speaking countries. And I worked uh, for the Portuguese embassy for a number of years in DC and then found myself kind of exploring some of the other Portuguese speaking countries like Sao Tome, which is, um, yeah, a place that a lot of people haven't been to. There's like 150,000 people at the time in the country. It's the world's second smallest economy and it's an absolutely stunning place. Stunning place. Let's take a brief pause. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday. 
in Norway. Not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite street streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there. And that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself. And that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now let's get back to the show. It's always interesting when you connect the dots backwards, but this whole path that you've been on kind of started just from wanting to reconnect with your family heritage in many ways, right? Is is that that fair to say? I mean, if you... Yeah. Oh, yes. I think it's... You know, it's funny because you, it all makes sense in the end, right? Like during the time, I'm like, I don't sure. know what I'm doing. I'm right. just kind of showing here, going over here, whatever. And then, right, you kind of look back and you're like, it's, it was always a very personal journey for me. And, and I think actually that's what makes the community that we have today different because we do kind of like embrace that vulnerability and that, that personal experience. And we talk about that and we lean into that. And this isn't just, you know, Hey, make money and travel or like, Hey, get out there and see the world. It's like, let's talk about these really hard feelings that you're having. And the fact that it's completely normal to have them. And, you know, we talk a lot about like reverse culture shock and we talk a lot about, you know, feeling unwelcome. I think it only could have come from having those, those personal experiences, at least at some point. Yeah, it just sounds like a really powerful moment. I'm just putting myself in your shoes, thinking of you at that dinner and kind of, you know, everybody talking around and just having that such an emotional experience and then just hitting the ground running with the Portuguese and everything that came (laughs) out of that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was. Was it just your father that was from? I can get into it or not get into it, but it's, it's like actually a fascinating and very normal American immigration story. My great-grandfather 
stowed away multiple times on a ship trying to leave Portugal for the U.S., um, regularly got caught and sent back. And one time on this particularly brave journey, took his very pregnant wife with him and managed to give birth in the U.S. So my grandmother was actually an American citizen, even though she'd never seen the U.S., <laughs> you know, and when she was an adult, um, she and my grandfather and my aunt, who was a teenager, were coming across a lot of hardships and decided to come to, to immigrate here to the States. Um, my grandmother came over completely on her own and worked as a maid for years in order to bring the rest of her family over, brought the rest of her family to the States and had my dad. So my dad grew up in the States with only Portuguese speaking family. So Portuguese was his first language, then was thrown into the American education system and constantly had this, this kind of dual life that he was living of like, you know, Portuguese at home, American everywhere else, which is kind of a lot of people's immigration stories now. Um, but what's interesting is that even though he'll always understand it as a native speaker, he actually has a really hard time speaking it back. So I grew up in a household where I had this very strong Portuguese side where everybody else was like fluent, but my dad could could never teach me the language. And I actually didn't even realize that until later. I always thought he was just being lazy or like didn't care, but like he physically couldn't teach me. And so, and then my mom is, is American, German, Luxembourger, and Italian. And, um, and so she, you know, didn't really reinforce it either. Um, and that was kind of my upbringing. Yeah. So did you find that you had a different connection with your father after you learned the language yes. and kind of, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and my whole Portuguese side. I mean, I think that the, you know, I'm still very much in touch with a lot of my, my Portuguese family in Portugal now, um, which is, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, I can, I cannot even describe verbally what it's like to just, to show up in a place that you've never been to, to meet all these people who are your flesh and blood that look like you, that, and then to continue this relationship. And it's like, you know, these people didn't exist in my worldview until I was 20. And then one day they just show up and there's this whole other side of my family that, you know, that I'm getting to know. And, um, and yeah, I think it absolutely, it changed my relationship with my father, um, with my aunt Mary, you know, I would call her and just speak straight up in Portuguese. And she was like, who's this calling me right now? I don't understand. <laughs> so that must have been so fulfilling. Um, very fulfilling. And I think it also, I think the power of, I think language is very powerful in general. And um, I forgot who had, uh, somebody very famous had said, you know, speak to a, a person in your language and you speak to their head, speak to them in their language and you speak to their heart. Right. And, and, um, and I think I kind of saw that for the first time. And it got me very interested in, in languages and what speaking somebody else's language can do to a relationship with them. And that's something that I always still try to do whenever I go to a place is just, even if it's like a few words, just master those few words, you know, so that you can really put out an effort and, and connect with somebody. Yes, it makes a huge difference. You know, the problem, uh, I've run into this problem, I don't know if you have, I'm sure you have, mastering a few words. If you master them enough and they're short enough, 
and people think you know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And then, then they start like, talking oh, okay. about you like, hold on, wait a minute. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. Let's not get carried away here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, you're like, just kidding. Sorry, I don't actually speak your language. Just, just kidding. <laughs> I'm speaking to your heart and now I'm speaking. Now we're a little bit too close. So yeah. we just need to like back it up. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Totally. <laughs> but it. still, still worth the effort. All right. So you say you're disrupting travel for women. And I, I want you to share what you mean by that and why you think it's important. Yeah. Well, I'll take this back to my story of when I'm in Sao Tome and realizing that women's experiences are really different wherever we go around the world. And there's this narrative that we're told as women about what our travel experiences are going to be like. And usually when we're traveling solo, and I give them two titles, one is the eat, pray, love narrative, which is like, you're going to have this magical adventure. You're going to eat a lot of pasta. You're going to meet some gorgeous Brazilian and ride off into the sunset. And it's going to be like absolutely perfect. And then there's what I've recently called the taken narrative, which is like, you're going to go and some drug human traffickers are going to find you and your family's going to be searching for you and you'll be, you know, gone. And that's really the substance of what we talk about when we talk about women's travel, it's either about, you know, how awesome it is and, you know, maybe some fashion shopping, or it's about how dangerous it is. And when you Google solo female travel, a lot of the stuff you're going to find is like top countries for women solo travelers to visit or how to stay safe or all sorts of products. And, you know, on, on like whatever, alerting your family if you're in danger and that sort of thing. And I think that stuff is important. I'm not saying that safety is not important, but I'm also not saying that it is a comprehensive look at the entire travel experience. There's so much more that women need to know and should know about travel. And I think it's really important to have honest conversations. The other thing is that oftentimes when we talk to women, we're talking about white women. We're not talking about various intersectionalities. We're not talking about what it means to be, you know, a lot of these surveys, I've, I've looked at these these surveys on like solo travel for women. And sometimes the questions on the surveys, I've literally seen one that's like, how comfortable do you feel walking around this city? And I'm like, what kind of ridiculous question is that? How comfortable do you feel? I mean, first of all, you're taking somebody's biases and just amplifying them of like, if I feel uncomfortable, is it because the city is dangerous or is it because I'm actually a little bit racist or I'm, you know, looking at this the wrong way? You know, <laughs> I think that that's really important. And also when you're doing a survey, you have to look at who's being asked. Are you asking white women? Are you asking black women? Are you asking LGBTQ women? Like, who are you asking? Because their answers are going to be different. And so when I'm talking about disrupting the travel industry, I'm talking about making sure that the travel industry is truly representative of the women out there and, and our real challenges. 80% of travel decisions are made by women. We dominate the travel industry. And you think about why, you know, it's not just because women are traveling so much more than men, but historically and still now, a lot of times it's the women that are booking for their families, um, or a lot of times women are, are the ones in an assistant role and doing booking for a business. Um, certainly not all the time, but those trends are still there. And so when it comes to actually purchasing, the women are the ones who are purchasing. And yet at the same time, we're kind of looked at as this niche that's just about safety and fashion. 
And I think that that's totally absurd. And um, and so I, my goal here is to do a couple things. Number one, it's to give women the real information that they need. And the only way you can do that, in my opinion, is by connecting women in places all around the world. The best person that I can ask for information about where to go is a person who lives in that place. So we're creating this live network of women worldwide who can guide one another, who can give each other advice, whether it's travel tips, like what bus should I get on in this city? Or it's just emotional, you know, about what it feels like to be traveling on your own or a a situation that's challenged you that you wanted to talk with somebody about. So the first thing is just helping the travelers get out there. But then the other thing we're really looking at is I don't believe that in order to make travel better for women, it's necessarily on the traveler. You know, I don't think it's like, let's just give women all the tools they need and arm them with pepper spray and send them on their way. I think there are, to my point earlier, a lot of issues with how the media talks to women, how the industry is uh, addressing um, women um, as purchasers. And and so in that, you know, there's there's a number of things we need. We need better representation. We need more women in senior leadership roles, which is famously low. We need more women who are actually building companies that are solving these problems. And so we also do a lot of work supporting creators and influencers and small business owners in travel and helping them get their footing and getting the amplification that they need. So we're kind of operating this really cool ecosystem to make travel better for women everywhere. And my last thing that I'm going to get on a soapbox about, and then I'll shut up, I promise, is that when we talk about making travel better for all women, it also doesn't mean necessarily always the traveler. Sometimes it means the woman who's in the community that's being affected by your travel. Sometimes it means the woman who's working for the hospitality industry, you know, or the woman who's servicing your hotel room. And so we want to think about travel, not just as me going to a place, but as the, the deep dynamics that are all involved and in how we can become better travelers across the board so that we can make this experience a positive one for everybody that's involved. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks for sharing all that. You are an expert at building community. And I think that whether you're an individual looking to connect with people or an organization that may want to rally a community around a cause or, you know, even see it with like software products and services, a lot of times, a lot of it's about building the community and being transparent and letting people know what your values are. It's really important. And I just wanted to get some advice here on being a good leader, creating a safe environment and that sort of special vibe and that that sort of thing. Because it's one thing to have the intention around whatever, you know, in, in your case, all the things you just mentioned. And then the other thing is the execution of that, right? Like how do I actually create create that vibe and, and create that safe yeah. space for people? So Yeah. I, I think a lot of it starts with you as a leader and you as a leadership team. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to say a couple of things that people might not agree with, but so I have my MBA in uh, a couple of different things, social enterprise and marketing uh, and management strategy. And the things that they teach you in business school about building a business are great and, you know, fundamentally important. But at the same time, sometimes I think that when you're building a really engaged community, you have to kind of leave some of that stuff at the door and just show up as your personal self. And I think if you, you know, I think sometimes people who try to create communities and fail to do it fail because they're afraid of getting too vulnerable. 
and they want to look really professional and really buttoned up and put together. And when you do that, though, you're kind of portraying an inaccurate version of yourself. And it's not a believable version of a person, in my opinion. And so I think right now people are looking for real leaders in these communities. And and they can tell when something is just created for the sake of growing a business and just manufactured. And so, and I always have to keep that in mind when I'm working on Wonderful because you can you can see when you're trying to, you know, if you have an agenda and you're trying to promote something, how that changes somebody's, you know, dynamic with you. If you're like, oh, whatever, I'm going to share this thing. Like, and then I, it ends up that somebody's like, oh, really? That's why you were talking to me because after all this, you just wanted to pitch me on whatever product. And so, so I think like first and foremost, it's just about being really real and honest about who you are, but also doing that with your leadership team as well. You know, we've had um, people that have come to our, our uh, content creator event called WITS, the Women in Travel Summit. And, and they'll say, wow, it really looks like, you know, you guys are having a really good time. <laughs> like to our to our planning team and we're like that's cuz we are having a good time you know like we actually enjoy being together and i think you know there's obviously people are not always going to agree and you know we have our our disagreements as well but the dynamic that you have with your team that will trickle down to your community very fast so if there's you know iciness at the top if there's drama at the top your community will get the effects of that very quickly. And so I think having just really good relationships with with your leadership team and and sharing that with your audience and and being, you know, there are times where I'll say to them like, "Hey, there was something that we were planning on doing and we thought it was going to work and it didn't work and I'm really sorry." <laughs> you know, and like people are so forgiving of that stuff. Like they love that. It's like they're getting a behind the scenes look of what's going on in your head. Nobody thinks that you're a dummy because the thing didn't work out unless you're trying to hide it and then, you know, so so I think a really important part of all of this is just talking really openly and being really real, but also being really interested in, in your community as well. You know, you talk too much about yourself or you're only sharing your own updates and you're not asking people questions and you're not asking them for their story. I mean, I think, um, one thing that is really important to me with wonderful is creating a business that can go on without me. You know, and, and I think that's truly what a community is. If if I go somewhere and the community dies, there was never a community there to begin with. You know, it was all relying on me. And what I want is for them to all rely on each other because who knows what's going to happen to me? I could get hit by a bus in 10 minutes. Who knows? You know, so, so I think creating something that really does genuinely... Um, uh, is manifested in multiple connections, like a whole web of connections. That's a really highly engaged super community that's going to continue on forever. And making sure that you're taking an interest in the people who are part of your community, giving them opportunities to showcase their talents, giving them chances to to meet one another and share their stories with each other. That's when you really get that that level of strength that you're looking for. Yeah. And the the word that stood out to me was this going back to the vulnerability. If there was one thing to pull out, because I do think that 
yeah, if you're looking at the internet as a whole, when things kind of, when internet business started, if we're going to use that, you know, it was about like trying to represent yourself in some sort of way that wasn't really vulnerable or real. You know, you could create an image of yourself. You saw a lot of marketers do this. And and now I think in, in the best way possible, the scales have tipped to vulnerability. And I, I do think there's a difference between the vulnerability you're describing and the vulnerability as a marketing tactic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I think uh, yeah. anybody can sniff out the difference. Yeah. If yeah. You're, oh, definitely. You know? Well, and yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. There's a there's a lot of fake vulnerability out there, usually in some sort of Facebook ad that's like, hey, everybody, I was having a really hard time losing weight, but then I discovered, you know, <laughs> whatever. But yeah. And I think especially in the internet, you know, we cannot forget that that the internet is like a whole different world of business and and you know, and especially being in in kind of a, an organization that focuses on women and women identifying people, the internet hits women hard sometimes. And I'm talking about things like social media, I'm talking about um, self-worth and mental health. And and I think it's really that's something that we shouldn't forget, you know, is is I I love um, all the inspo that we put out there sometimes. But I also think that sometimes when you're just sharing a whole bunch of pictures of yourself gallivanting around the world and looking perfect because you've like photoshopped everything. I don't know. So like I think we're also making people feel bad if we're not kind of being realistic about, you know, well, this is why this is how I got here. This is why I got here. You know, again, like there's there's a balance that needs to be struck here between being honest about what your life is like, but also showing the whole picture, I think. And um, and there are studies out there that have talked about, you know, how how right now, how much the Internet and how much social media is affecting our girls. You know, teenage girls are getting hospitalized because they're doing harm to themselves because they don't feel like they're good enough. And I think that's where, you know, even even on this meta level of like disrupting the stuff that we're doing, you know, we have such a strong focus on on social media and we live on the Internet. That's where our community lives and breathes. And sometimes we have conversations about like, how can we make sure that we're a place that people are coming to? to feel good about themselves and that, you know, that talking about travel is not making somebody feel like I'm never going to have that, you know, I'm never going to be good enough. And that's a, it's a hard thing to figure out. Yeah, it is. I mean, you can't please everybody, right? One of those things you can't make everybody happy, no, but no, I, no. I, I agree with you that there's an awareness around these things is, is important. And then, you know, when you put anything out there, there's always going to be, you're always going to be subject to criticism. You just can't control everything. But if your intentions and, and your awareness is put into that and some thought behind it, I think, you know, at least you can feel good for yourself. Like, you know, I, I don't think you're saying like, Hey, you're not allowed to post, you know, a picture of yourself on social media or whatever, but it's more of like, oh, the, no. it's more of the overall narrative and, and kind of the messaging, I think in travel, going back to disrupting it. I think that's why these conversations are important because we got to talk about this stuff. Right. right. Like we have to talk about the fact that it's happening. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't acknowledge it, part it's... of right. I think that's just that's part of the ecosystem that we're operating in. No, I am absolutely not saying if you're going on lovely experiences to like tone it down so that somebody else feels better about themselves. 
what I am saying is we should be looking at these, these larger trends that are happening and asking ourselves every day, how am I part of this? Am I part of this? You know, what am I doing that I'm not thinking about? And what are we all doing so that we can make sure that these platforms that we're using are going in the direction that we want them to go? You know, we're responsible for where these social channels go in the future and what happens to them because we're the users of them. So, yeah, I think that that's having a really keen eye to what's happening in the universe um, and how we're involved. Because I think a lot of times we think that we're not. We think we're just like, oh, I'm just one person. So, you know, it's okay. But, but we all have an impact. What is your relationship to failure as a serial entrepreneur? <laughs> what is my relationship? We're practically married. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, you know... I I don't know. I think people have have a lot of feelings about this word. I per- personally hate the word failure because it's so ending. Failure is like such a regular failure. part of my day. You fail. Yeah, <laughs> you must never try again. No, but I think and you know and and I think that that's actually part of the problem is just like the word. You know, people are like, oh, embrace failure. Da da da. I don't know. It's like such a dramatic word. I think it almost overly dramatizes the the regular experience of learning that we need to have every day, you know, of just like you just there are going to be things that don't work. And then you got to find something else that works. And you just keep and literally entrepreneurship is just like refusing to give up until you succeed or move on to the next thing. Like that's that's like all entrepreneurship is. If you look it up in the dictionary, that's exactly what it says. (laughs) So no, I do it all the time. And in fact, um, I, I love it and I embrace it. And I think that just that's one of my favorite things is that there is no rule book in entrepreneurship and you're going to mess up so many times. And it becomes every time you make a mistake, it becomes easier to make another one. And they say, you know, it's always like a, a road, like, you know, you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. I think that's true. Um, but I also, yeah, I mean, I don't think failure is that binary either. I don't think it's usually like, okay, I did this thing and it didn't work. So now I'm going to do another thing. Like, it's not usually so black and white. It's like, I'm doing something and it's not working the way I wanted to. So now I need to adjust or I've had a hardship that I didn't expect happen. And now I need to adjust. And it's about pivoting and trying differently. And it's not, I think when you say failure, it's like, I don't know. It feels like just the one or two times in your life when it's like, I put everything on the line to go to college and then I got rejected and that was a failure. But like, I think these things, these disappointments and these, these pivots happen many, many times every day. And it's just on a spectrum and it's how you adapt to those things. That's the most important. You are a mother of two younger children, as we mentioned. How do you... I'm getting your best advice now as, a, <laughs> as an entrepreneur. Good. And or then I want yours is, after. <laughs> this, is, this is the best advice segment. Um, yeah. Balancing family oh, and work. God. Um, There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> so <Amen>. if you're... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, I... So it's funny. I... When I was pregnant, so I have two girls, which is uh, uniquely interesting too. being like a, a founder of a women's focused organization and now raising two girls. I'm like, I'm literally just building my community like physically with my family and just adding more women to the world. Um, but I, I think um, 
so when I was pregnant with my first daughter, Nora, um, I wrote this blog post about how entrepreneurship was like the best career track for people who are pregnant. And, and I kind of wrote all these reasons, like, because when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of manage your own schedule. And so I would wake up in the morning with morning sickness and I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to move these meetings and sleep and do them later. And like little things like that. And I also loved, um, love slash hated the concept of like, okay, you've basically got a nine month timeline to make your startup work. So go, you know, like there is no negotiation. You must make it work by the state or whatever. And, um, and so I kind of wrote this, but then it's funny because this was, you know, four, almost five years ago, I guess almost six years ago at this point, because my daughter's about to turn five. And, um, and I still have a lot of people who, who, reply to me or comment and kind of say like, literally, this is the only article that I've ever read that like puts this in a positive light. <laughs> They're like, it's usually like so doom and gloom, like, okay, now you have to figure out like how you're going to. And I hear that. I mean, I remember that first time around I was fundraising. We were raising money for Wonderful, which we we actually gave back. We're like completely self-owned now. Um, but we're raising money and I was talking to a venture capitalist who was a mother and I think she was trying to be helpful, but she basically said to me, she's like, you know, Beth, I just want you to know you're going to have to choose. Are you going to be a hundred percent an entrepreneur or are you going to be a hundred percent a mom? And I was like, so taken aback by that advice. Cause I was like, I don't think I can choose actually. I think no. I'm sort of like having to do both now, you know, like it's not like I can. Sorry kids. <laughs> I, I'm out. But, and yeah, it was, you know, but I think, but like, unfortunately that's, that's what we're among th terrible things that we're telling women and men. I like can go off on a whole other tangent about what we're telling men about parenthood. But we're telling women that like a choice is going to have to be made. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to balance. And it's all just, I had a professor once who said to me, he hated the term work-life balance because it sort of implied that when you were working, you weren't alive. And it's kind of the same for me. It's like, it's not, you know, parenting, entrepreneurship balance. It's just your life. It's all and, interwoven. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just the life that you've chosen. And yeah, when you have a baby and you're trying to be on something, you know, be on a podcast or whatever. Yeah, it can be really hard. I remember one time I was on a podcast and I forgot to turn the volume off and I was like screaming at my child. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. And can I, we get can we get that audio clip and start in here? I want that. <laughs> I came back and the woman was like, "So I have kids and you'll be okay." And like it was like this total pep talk that she gave me. But you know, like, but that's it's just and actually, <laughs> but everybody does that. You know, I'm thinking like things go on in my house and I'm like, "Come on, guys, you gotta cut it." Then you walk out and you see your neighbor. You're like, "Oh hi, how are you? <laughs> <to> see you." <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Like, there you go. Vulnerability versus reality. Um, but yeah, but like, but I think so actually, so, so, but that's, that's the thing is I think that there's, there's so many of these systems that are sort of built to not be, and especially in the U S I think, you know, there are other countries that are doing this much, much better than the States are. There is this really strong expectation of what your working life should be like. And parenting does not fit into that. And I actually kind of, this is just the entrepreneur in me, I guess, but I sort of take that as a challenge and a criticism that I choose not to accept. And I'm like, if you think that I can't, I'm not supposed to come onto this stage and like 
pitch in front of a bunch of people while holding a child? Well, I'm going to do just that because I think what you said is stupid. You know, like so so I just I just choose not to. And and yes, there are obviously things that I I still have to struggle through, you know, childcare or trying to do something when you have somebody like grabbing or just the guilt of not being with your with your kids but but I also think that entrepreneurship has so many great things like being able to choose your own schedule like being able to do something that you absolutely love that just like fulfills you that you can show that to your kids later and you can involve them and I think we have a responsibility to kind of to change these systems we'll be back in a moment would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day. I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. I actually think that, you know, among the many terrible things that COVID did for us, I think the fact that we all started working from home and we got to see everybody's real life a little bit more, I think that was a positive. You know, I think it made us all realize the reality. And actually, it was a positive for me, but I think it was actually, even though he would never agree to this, I think it was a positive more for my husband because because I think men actually have this challenge even more than women of having to pretend that they're not parents when they're working. <laughs> like, I think women get away with it a little bit more of like, okay, I have to go pick up my kid or whatever. And this is completely sexist. And, you know, Marvin, I, I remember when, when I was pregnant and people would come up to him and be like, so are you going to like take the full paternity leave? Cause like, you're going to get bored after two weeks. And he's like, I'm not going to get bored of my child. He's like, why would I, you know? So, so I think when we, I think by showing the reality, like that, He's dealing with kids that are bothering him in the background while he's working from home, too. It sort of brings us all onto the same page of like, wow, we don't talk at all about parenting while we're in a working environment. And yet it is happening in the background of half the people on the Zoom call right now. And now we're actually seeing that, you know, and 
Um, and I think it gives us a little bit more flexibility with each other. But it's constant, constant disruption because we're not we do not have a society that is friendly to these things, nor do we have the support systems to help the people that need them. Yeah. I just love the visual of you standing on stage with the baby pitching. <laughs> That's great. I, I mean, that, that kind of goes back to what you said. It's just like, hey, it's kind of fun to throw out the rule book, whether it's an entrepreneurship or life. And that is innate to travelers, I think, in, in some regard, right? Like part of travel is kind of throwing caution to the wind and just going out there and there are a lot of rule books you can throw out when you're traveling. You don't even oh, have to be so many. who you are at home or nobody knows, you, you know, I mean, there's anything. so much. You could just walk backwards all t- the time and just <laughs> make that part of your, yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, I think there's things that we can do, but I also think that equally important is giving other people agency to do those things as well. And, you know, I think um, like talking about, you know, pitching on stage when I was, um, I, I actually got a call two days before I gave birth saying that I made it into this pitch competition and I needed to pitch in a week. And um, so I told them that I was 24 hours away from being induced to have my first child. And I didn't know what my state of body or mind would be in a week. And they were basically like, and this was the first time in the startup world anyone had ever done this, but they're like, we will do whatever you need us to do so that you can pitch. If it has to be virtual, if you want to put it off, that's totally fine. If you want to get on stage, we'll support you. Literally whatever you need. And um, and that actually made a big, big difference for me, that somebody would reorganize their entire event to make sure that it was accessible to me as a new mother. And I did. I actually went five days after giving birth, like waddled on stage, couldn't like was like a sausage in my dress. I like couldn't fit into anything, gave my pitch one second place, got out of there, went on maternity leave. That is unbelievable. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's like, but you know what, Jason, it wouldn't have happened if somebody didn't change the rules for me, you know, like, they made it possible. And I think, you know, you have to give other people agency to be themselves. And I think it, it means breaking the rules sometimes. And and I think in travel the same way too. I mean, we have to let people try new things and explore and, and be different and be themselves and learn about who they are. Because if you're creating all these rules about what people should be, you're not giving anybody that flexibility to be themselves. And I think going back to community, that's a lot of what building a community is all about. Ah, mm. oh, man. All right. So speaking of vulnerability and all of this stuff we're talking about, I actually have to go pick up my kids very shortly <laughs> at their daycare. Um, but, I, you know, I feel like we've in some ways we've gone deep and in some ways we've also just scratched the surface a bit. So we might have to have a round two at some point, ideally in totally. person. Uh, speaking of in person, you've got some things going on that we want to talk about, I'm sure. So please feel free to share with everybody what is happening. Yeah. So we are hosting, we're so excited about this. It is basically the first ever major outdoor travel festival by and for women. It's called Wanderfest. And it is, first of all, going to be like the, the best thing ever. I literally am excited about it every day, but also, you know, to this point of, the things we tell women about travel, sometimes what we don't do is just celebrate, is just be there for each other. Just enjoy our time, like just honor who you are and just relish in that. And especially after the two years that we've had, um, I think some celebration and, and honoring yourself and taking care of yourself is really important. So we're putting together this festival. It was planned for 20 
was it 2020 and we keep moving it? Anyway, it's happening now, March 12th and 13th in downtown New Orleans. It is 99.9%, actually 100% outside, which is great because people want to do outdoor stuff these days. It's right um, on the river um, in New Orleans. We have speakers on the main stage. We have music. We have like the only New Orleans all-female brass band performing. We're doing like a parade down downtown New Orleans. We're doing like Afrobeat yoga and um, a bangra, masala bangra dance class. And we're having Patricia Schultz, the author of A Thousand Places to See Before You Die, and just all sorts of really cool stuff to bring women together to to connect and support and inspire. And we're really excited about it. And we're doing a giveaway for you all too, which we're really pumped about. Yeah. I mean, you guys have a, a giveaway. You're going to give away a couple tickets and we can... Definitely leave that in the show notes here so people can can find that and make sure they can enter. I believe the link is going to be wonderful.com slash zero to travel. Yeah, she's, I, I think you're, no, we're both like, what is the URL again? She's wonderful.com, right, slash zero to travel. Yes, yes. that is and the And then one. you can enter to win. We're going to give two tickets away, totally free. And, and yeah, and hopefully you'll be able to join us. I, it's going to be really like, honestly, the things that we've confirmed, it's going to be so fun, so refreshing. You know, you, anybody can come. You don't just have to be a woman to come. Um, kids are welcome to come. I think you have to get a ticket after age five. Um, before that, they can come join you for free. We have a whole like vendor marketplace with women owned businesses. Um, we have all sorts of really fun, just activities. I think we're going to get temporary tattoos because why not? It's going to be like <laughs> the event of the century. So hope to see you all there. Awesome. Well, thanks for the giveaway. And yes, you will get the proper link in the show notes here. So you know where you can sign up to have a chance to win those. And Beth, it was such a pleasure to have you Thanks, on this Jason. show. We will have to do it again uh, at some point. And, you know, over hurricanes in New Orleans? I don't know. Possibly. That sounds great. That sounds yeah, wonderful. That. <laughs> <laughs> but look forward to keeping in touch. And thanks for your time. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. There you have it. I want to say thank you once again to Beth Santos for stopping by the show. Don't forget... If you're listening to this in time before the big festival, be sure to head over to that link I put in the show notes and sign up for a chance to win two free tickets. What'd you think of this episode? Any other particular guests you want me to bring on? Any other additional feedback? Please let me know. You can always drop me a line. Jason at zero to travel.com is my email address. And again, leave me a voicemail on that voicemail box. Super easy to do. You don't have to enter an email or anything. Just push a button and leave me a message. I'll send you one back. And also, if you have not signed up over at zerototravel.com yet, join the newsletter. You can keep in touch, find out what is going on. We can connect off the podcast and you'll certainly be invited to any events I'm hosting online or anything like that. There's always different things happening over in the Zero to Travel world off the pod. So sign up over at zerototravel.com and hop on the email list to stay in touch. Now, I've got a challenge for you coming out of this episode, and this is one that we all, as individuals, have an opportunity to do at some point, and that is 
creating a safe space for others, something that Beth and I talked about today. How can you, how can I, this is a challenge for myself as well, how can I create a safe space for others, whether it's in a community, in a small gathering with friends, in something that I start and lead, maybe you want to create a meetup and connect with other like-minded folks on a particular topic, what can you do to facilitate that and create a safe space for others that people will feel comfortable sharing. And maybe that's just setting an intention at the beginning of a little conversation. Sometimes all it's all it takes, right? A little bit of a sentence or two with some friends say, hey, I got some things to talk about, y'all. Can, can, can we be safe here? Can we, can we just have this judgment-free environment? Let's just have a chat. I want to share some things. Get it off my chest. Or I want you to share some things. Or let's share some things together. You know, it might not be uh, something you're going to do next week, but perhaps this is an opportunity to create a different kind of space for others at a gathering that you haven't created before. That's it. I, I like to leave these challenges sort of open to interpretation because it will mean a different thing to each person, but it's fun to come out of an episode with a little mini challenge. So if that's something that resonates with you, go for it. And let's all collectively continue to challenge the narratives of life, <laughs> right? What we might see is the unfair narratives or some of the things not being addressed on whatever topic you're interested in. Here we talked about the narratives around solo female travel and some of the other things around travel as a whole. Every topic has certain narratives that aren't necessarily healthy, that are maybe not completing the full picture of what the reality is. And it's important that individuals out there challenge those narratives. And it may not be that one person changes the narrative on something, but collectively, we can do that. So that's the other challenge, I guess. Don't be afraid to challenge any narratives that you see as unfair or incomplete. You have a voice. I have a voice. We all are able to use our voice in whatever manner we choose. And maybe, just maybe, it's important to challenge those narratives sometimes. So with that, I will dig into the quote drawer. I do not have a quote around narratives or anything. I, I in fact, have no idea what, <laughs> what quote I'm going to pull out of the drawer. Uh, let's see. Okay. This one's from... Dialal Ad Din Rumi. Everything you see has its roots in the unseen world. There you have it. Another one in the books. Thanks for coming along for the ride, and I'll see you next week. Peace and love. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.